Well, I get the opportunity to finish up our month of prayer, our month of looking towards breakthrough, uh, and super excited that even as God has planned out our schedule, that he he put it on Graduate Sunday. Um, I I get the opportunity to work with our young adults every week. I love them. And so that front row was nothing but fresh meat for me. Um, So I'm excited. Uh, for what that means coming up. But I, on a side note, I, I did it in the first service and, and uh, it was uh, kind of spontaneous and spur of a moment, but it was funny, so I'm going to do it again. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed in, in uh, our culture right now, there's this romper thing going on where men are wearing rompers. You know what a romper is? It's a onesie, basically. Grown men are wearing these suckers. And, and here's the deal. Ben started it way back then. He had, he had the fad already figured out. If any of you wear a romper, I'm just warning you. <laughs> I'm going to come and I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> so all of you are going to go home this afternoon and go romper. You're going to see these just terrible, funny pictures of grown men in shorts, one-piece button-up collar. It's crazy. So that one was for free. That was just for me to make fun of Ben. So anyways... Um, We're going to continue uh, this month of thinking through breakthrough, thinking through what it looks like uh, to pray hard for stuff. And and again, it's just amazing how that has coincided with our message in James. We're going to be in James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17, if you want to turn there. I get to talk about Jesus, which I love doing. We get to talk about him all the time. Uh, I get that. But this coming week, we're going to be praying for more of Jesus. And, and, and the message that James has for the people that he is leading and writing to here is for them to go after the Lord, to seek after him. And so I'm super stoked about what you guys are going to hear from James today. Let me pray for us. Father God, I lift up this message. I lift up these words. I pray they're yours. Lord, I pray that you would speak into the hearts of everyone in this room that they would walk out different than when they walked in. We give you this in your dear son's name. Amen. What you're going to see on the screen is what we are labeling Epic Epic Home and Vacation 2017. Um, And someone mentioned uh, earlier, they were struck by the fact, and I didn't notice it at first, that, that it says 59 hours worth of driving which actually almost changed my mind about the whole trip. Um, <clears throat> but we are planning this trip. We've been planning this trip for a while. We're going out west. Um, we're going to head out uh, through Rushmore and Custer uh, National Forest and then head down and spend most of our time on the western slope of the Rockies. And, and we're super excited about this. We've been planning it for a while. Um, and so there's lists. There, there are the things that we have to do to make this happen. You know, we're going to be camping most of the time. Uh, so we have to think through how that's going to look. And, and honestly, we've only, <laughs> we've only got two places where we're going to do reservations for camping. The rest is, is dispersed camping, which is first come, first serve. And you hope that when you get there, There's a spot open. Now, I'm pretty sure that that's going to happen, but if not, then we'll be boondocking in a Walmart parking lot somewhere, Um, much to the chagrin of my family. Um, But we've got all these plans. We need all this camping equipment. We need to have this much money. We need to know where we're going. Uh, We need to try not get eaten by bears. You know, there's there's these lists of things, Uh, and there's reasons. You know, we have 
plenty of reasons, but my wife and I would say it's a long time coming. We had the opportunity a couple years back um, now where we spent uh, a month in Colorado serving on Young Life staff at one of their camps, and we fell in love with it. So this is kind of a, this is a revisiting of a place that we have fallen in love with. I've, I've also been going through the ordination process here within the CMA, and that's a two-year-long process. It's, it's arduous and time-consuming. Um, it's almost done. Praise Jesus. And um, so it's kind of a break from that. So we've got lists and we've got reasons for those lists. And and we're excited about it. But I have to admit something. I, I, I have to almost repent. I didn't consult God on any of it. I'm just kind of being raw here. I, I didn't go, God, is this what you want my family to do? Should we go on this trip? Is this what you desire? Is this your will? Now, don't get me wrong, and this is a blanket statement, an umbrella statement for this whole message. I believe that God desires things for us, and, and, and I'm not saying that he doesn't desire this for me. I'm just saying I didn't ask him. I didn't go to him. And, and so one of the things we're going to hear from James today is the fact that God wants to be consulted on this on these big things, and, and maybe small things, but I think these are, these are decisions and plans that are bigger than, say, I'm going to pay a little extra for guacamole at Chipotle. <laughs> I don't think those are the decisions God's going, yes, please, spend all your time praying about that. Um, now, he may, if you are trying to be frugal and God's leading you and calling you to be in his wills and stewardship, and he's saying, don't pay, I would say go to Taco Bell, it's cheaper. Um, that might be a better starting point. But I don't think it's a, those little things. I think that if we hit the big things, those little things fall under God's will. If we set in motion a habit, if we set in motion a, a, a process where we are going to God for big things, he's going to bless everything. And that's what James is going to take, take us through this uh, Sunday morning. <clears throat> so if you are in uh, James there, chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 13. And it says this, come now, you say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is a sin. So James is, is addressing, uh, in his context, this, these people we've been following over the last few weeks, few months now, and he's addressing some folks who are, are setting out these plans. And these plans are, are, are for profit, for their job, their career, whatever it is. But he's pointing out the fact that they didn't put this at the foot of the Lord. And not only that, in saying we will do, I will do, this is what is for us, then they boast about it. They're boasting about what they will do outside of God's plan and will. And he he quite honestly, and we're not going to sit too much on this, but he quite honestly says, that is evil, that is a sin, don't do that. It's raining outside, just so you all know. So if your sunroof is open, too late. Um, 
But they're boasting of this thing. Some folks are getting up real quick. I I love it. They're boasting of this stuff saying, this is what we will do. And James is saying, no, stop it. It's arrogance. Do not, do not separate your plans from what God has in store for you. And then James proceeds to move through some stuff and making it abundantly clear to them why they shouldn't. Now, here's the deal, folks. This message wasn't just for this context and this time. We are all guilty of it. I just admitted to it. I'm guilty of it. It It's a big deal. Epic home invacation 2017. It's a big deal. It's time consuming. It's three weeks long. It's going to take money. It's going to take us away. It, it is a big deal. And I, I'll admit it, I just, I didn't even think about God. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. I didn't think about it. But I think we all do it at some level. I think it's kind of ingrained in who we are. Look at our culture in America. We are independent. I know that's a noble and honorable thing and where it started years ago. But it has morphed into something more. We see it in our marketing. We see it in commercials. We see it in slogans on inspirational posters. I have a t-shirt still, a wrestling t-shirt at home that still says, win from within on it. We see it everywhere. This pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I will make my own way. We have completely moved God out of the picture. And then we boast about it. I can't tell you how many times I've said, I'm so excited about this trip. Look at all the things that I have planned. And then when my plans kind of fall apart, it kind of fell apart yesterday. I had plans to do something for Epic Vacation 2017, and it fell apart. You see, we don't know enough. We have no clue what tomorrow holds. What we have done is we honestly, and James is is putting it out there for them, is we have put ourselves in the place of God. That has been a theme in a lot of what James has been teaching us. You keep saying these things like you are God. You're not. It's arrogant and it's sinful. So what James then proceeds to do is he paints a picture of some non-negotiables. Some things for us to hear even now and how we should think about putting God in all of our stuff. And not only just here's a little spot for you, God, but here's the whole thing everything. And the first point that James makes, and and I do it a little bit more brashly and, and, and maybe a little bit more abrupt, that's kind of who I am. You are ignorant. He is all knowing. That's what he's saying to these folks. He's saying, listen, you are ignorant of the truth, the reality of what God knows. He is all knowing. He knows everything. And then you choose to leave him out of the picture. Why would you do that? That's that's what James is saying. Why would you do such a thing? Why would you keep this eternal, infinite, wise, and powerful God out of your planning, out of your life? Why would you say these things and leave him out of it? It's all kind of outside of our control anyways, is what James is saying. We don't know what tomorrow will hold, I'm infinite. I am finite. God is infinite. And in my finiteness, which Spellcheck picked up as a real word, so I'm going to hold on to it. In my finiteness, I'm incapable of making a real plan. A plan that will hold on 
for what really matters. And listen, I, don't, I get it. I bet some of you could pull out your phone right now and show me your schedule for tomorrow. I could do it. I could show you what I have planned for tomorrow, who I'm meeting with, what needs to get done, but I have no clue what's going to happen between here and there. I have a friend that, that this past winter planned a great vacation over Christmas break and spent all of it, well, five of the seven days, in an airport because of a blizzard. <laughs> Yay vacation. He had no idea what was going to happen. It was completely out of his control. We don't know what tomorrow holds. So why wouldn't we go to a God that says, I've got everything. I control everything. Consult me and I will give you clarity. A God that scripture says this about in Matthew 19. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible. <laughs> but with God, all things are possible. Again, in Psalm 147, verse 5, great is our Lord and abundant in power. He's all powerful. And then it goes on, his understanding is beyond measure. That's someone I want to consult. Psalm 139, oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and my <clears throat> acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. Man has tried to call it for years. We've tried to predict things, and over and over again, we get it wrong. Many of you could think of, oh, I thought that was going to happen, and look what happened. In the first hour, I just said, for those of us who are Cavs fans, all we have to say is 3-1. And we get it. None of us thought we'd come back from a 3-1 deficit. What? We predict things all the time. We try to call it, we get it wrong. God calls it, and he's already got it planned. He knew it before I even thought of it. And then I forget to ask him about it. James goes on to even drive this nail a little deeper into us and dig a little bit more by making this statement. This life is temporary, but he is eternal. In the scripture, he says that what is your life? It is but a mist. Mists are very intangible. They're very quick. He's actually borrowing from a scripture previous. He's borrowing from Ecclesiastes here where Solomon says that what is your life? It is but vanity. It is a vapor. Here one moment and gone another. Why do you think that the plans that you're making, and this may be a little harsh, but why do you think the plans you're making really matter? <laughs> if you make them by yourself, they don't. If you make them in God's will, they'll be awesome. Job even says it this way, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. For we are but a yesterday and know nothing, for our days on earth are a shadow. My days are swifter than a runner. They flee away from me. They, go, they see no good. They go by like skiffs of reed, like an eagle swooping on the prey. Now some of you are going, ooh, Sean, it's kind of a letdown, brother. This message doesn't have a lot of positivity in it. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I can't tell you how exciting all of that is to me. That I'm super ignorant <laughs> and I'm temporary. And you're going, what? Listen, the promise of God 
for what he has in store for us because he is infinitely more wise and infinitely more powerful and he is eternal and then says to me, I got you. I will carry you. Take a break from all of this, trying to figure it all out. I got it. You don't. I want to have it. You should let it go. You see, I'm an eternal God. It says in Psalm 92, before the mountain were brought forth or ever had been formed from everlasting to everlasting, you are God forever. Revelation 1.8, we've heard this before. I am the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. God lives outside of our time. <laughs> Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's saying to you, I got this. Why do you want to control it? Why do you want to move me out when I am promising you all of these things? All you have to do is get into my will. He is more worthy to be called upon than we are. He is more able than we are. And for us to be arrogant enough to say that I got this and I'll control it, especially as followers of Jesus, <clears throat> we're missing something. And, and James comes as far as saying, that's evil. You want to avoid that. The second point that <clears throat> is made in this infiniteness, in, in this finite of us, is the fact that God has bigger plans beyond the here and now. You see, for us, we sit in this place uh, of today, almost, uh, all the time. What, what is going on right now? Okay, I got this one figured out. Now I'm going to move on to what happens next week. Okay, I got that figured out. And I'm gonna, we do that. We, we make these great plans weeks and even, for some of us, years down the road. But God is coming along us and saying, if you get into my will, if you seek after me as an eternal and infinite God, I've got bigger promises for you. I've got something beyond what you know right now. Some of those things happen. Those promises are for today. In Matthew 6, and which of you, by any, by any being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the fields. He goes on and talks about the things and food and all this stuff, the basics of today, and Jesus finishes with, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to. He will take care of your needs right here. Great. Awesome. But then he goes a step further says, I won't only cover what you need today, I'm going to cover who you are and where you belong. Mark 3, for whoever does the will of God, remember we're talking about this, whoever does the will seeks him first. He is my brother and my sister and my mother. Doing the will of God, like Jesus says here, not only provides the needs of our life, it brings us into a bigger context of family. And I'm not just talking about your media family. I'm not even talking about your family here at Freshwater or even in this community as Christians. He is welcoming us into an adopted family for eternity. Something that's bigger than all of us. And on that topic of eternity, he goes on in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. This is Christ speaking. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So he takes care of our needs today. He brings us into a family. And then he says, listen, my house is big enough for eternity if you stay in my will. I got you. (laughs) Stop planning me out of your life. I love the scripture in Isaiah 55 where God comes along and we, we hear this thought that he is so much bigger than us. And, and it's Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. I'm going to read it out of the message because it's how I think, which is funny that the scripture says that. I don't think <laughs> the way you think is what God says here. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. God comes along beside us and says, listen, you're finite, but I've saved you. You're not eternal. Your shelf life is pretty short, but I'm going to provide a place for you to be for eternity. And for you to constantly be putting your place where you're trying to outthink me is never going to work. In James verse 15 here, he says, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills it, is what we should be saying. The thought that should come into our mind and all of our decisions is, I'm going to do this. Does the Lord will it? I'm going to do that. Does the Lord will it? See, this is a deferment of our own control. We're basically saying, I'm humbling myself to the Lord to say to him, I want more of your input. And honestly, I want all of your input in all of my life. But God, I'm going to take a breath every time I have a big decision. And I'm going to defer that to you. I'm going to jump off my box and put you in the right place. I'm going to realize rightly where I belong in the pecking order and put you where you are where you should be, where you have always been. And sometimes when we make decisions that way and when we defer, when we humbly come before the Lord and we say, listen, I need to give this to God, he's going to do one of three things. He's going to confirm it. He's going to say, yeah, (laughs) you're you're deciding to go that route because you're already in me and and that's a great idea. And I I want you, like I said about my vacation, I don't think God doesn't desire for my family to have a good time together and have fellowship and renewal. So sometimes he's going to come alongside of us and say, go, good job. I confirm that. Sometimes he's going to come along. If we defer to him, he's going to say, you know what? Let's tweak this a little bit. You you might have missed it. (laughs) Here's what I would like you to do. You're, You're on the right path. But when we defer to the Lord, when we humbly come before him, he says that to us, then we can humbly come back and say, thank you. I'm ignorant and I'm finite and I'm thankful that you're not. And the final thing he might do is he might come alongside us as we defer to him and say, no, that is a terrible idea. That is not at all in my will. I have better things, bigger things for you. What are you doing? And if we're humbly deferring to the Lord, we say, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, God, for protecting me in that. It's really just taking a breath. It's really slowing the pace down and saying, listen, 
I can take some time here. Now, I know that flies in the face of what we said earlier about our lives. It's just a mist. I think of those college kids. They're ready to go. They are, ah, let's, let's go. Let's do this. And as parents, I bet some of us could look at that and go, I've seen that in my kids. You know, all of us have had those, oh, bless your heart, moments with our kids. When they're doing something, they're racing at something. We're going, gosh, you know, I told them a couple times that's not going to work. And they got to race through it to realize well, if they would stop. I just saw a, a, on, on the internet today a, a sign that says, all would be well if you would have just listened to mom the first time. You know, but we as parents have said, oh, you know, if they would just slow down and see the bigger picture. <sighs> I'm in my 40s. And I still do this, guys. But I'm noticing that I slow down a little bit more. In my 40s, I'm going, oh, if I take a breath here and just think this through a little bit more. You know what this is called? It's called wisdom. <laughs> Time brings wisdom. Now, I don't, this, this is not meant to be offensive. I'm going to try to make eye contact with every person in this room who's of the older generation, the generation I like to call our legacy generation. Oftentimes, people level this charge against our older generation. They are so slow. Gosh, I'm learning that that's the wisest way to be. My mentor in my life is older than me. He's slower than me. He's wiser than me. And I sit in moments where I'm like, oh, I would have just slowed down there. You know what that wisdom is? It's time. It's experience. Sometimes it's have made the, already made that mistake. So we've got that earthly vision of what time looks like. Little kids racing. Middle of life, we're slowing down a little bit. A little older, <laughs> we know better. Why wouldn't then we look to a God who is outside of time, who is infinitely more wise than we will ever be, who doesn't look at time the way we do and has the whole picture? in his hands. Why wouldn't we take a break? Why wouldn't we take a breath and say, Lord, do you will this? A writer, his name's Frederick Faber, <clears throat> wrote this in the 1800s. In the spiritual life, God chooses to try our patience, first of all, by his slowness. He is slow, we are swift. It is because we are but a, for a time, and he has been for eternity. There is something greatly overawing in the extreme slowness of God. Let it overshadow our souls, but let it not disquiet them. We must wait for God long, meekly, in the wind and the wet, in the thunder and in the lightning, in the cold and in the dark. Wait, and he will come. He never comes to those who do not wait. He does not go by their road. When he comes, go with him, but go slowly. Fall a little behind. When he quickens his pace, be sure of it before you quicken yours. But when he slackens, slacken at once. And do not be slow only, but silent, very silent, for he is God. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? put aside our arrogance and say, that's the God I want to listen to. Why wouldn't we say, I am finite, ignorant, and temporary. 
I want to concede all control, surrender everything to the wisest and most eternal. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed. Do not let this world conform you but be transformed. We humble ourselves to the Lord and we ask him, is this your will? His promise is that he will transform us. It'll be by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. And here's the deal. Our will is, is damaged goods at best. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 go on to say, what is good and acceptable and perfect Ours is broken, his is perfect. I don't know about you, but when I'm thinking through my day, I'm not thinking about going and trying to find a system and applying different things to that if I see it's already broken. If I see a system that, which very rarely happens in our earthly realm, a system that's perfect in my job or in my hobbies, I'm going to go for that one. And here God is saying, I've got it. My good and perfect will. Surrender your control. He's calling us to draw closer to him. He has this incredible desire to guide us. Jesus even says it, that it's something so good that it's life-giving. Jesus says this in John 4, 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food, the thing that gives me life, is God's will. It's following what he wants us to do. It won't only protect us. It won't only give us freedom and promise. See, this will, this control, this, this, this humbling and deferment to God is not meant to be persecution. Remember I said that earlier, the blanket statement. God's desire is for you to have more than you could ever think or imagine. John 10, 10, he wants you to have life abundant. His control and our surrender is freedom. It's promise. It's protection. Why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we want to be about that? So where does that leave us? Well, this next week, our breakthrough prayer, our, if you're new with us, we've been praying for this last month, one hour per week. You could pray more, and I've heard stories of folks who have prayed more, been late to appointments because they got into prayer. But we're asking you to give up an hour a week, a meal a week to fast and pray. We started with evangelism. We went to physical healing. We went to re relational healing. And this week, we're praying for more of Christ. I know that sounds really general, but what better place to be? That's what James is calling these people to do. Go to him. Ask for him. More of him. What does that look like to pray for a more vibrant and life-giving relationship with Jesus? What does it look like for you? For some, it may be just starting. You may be in here going, I want that. I want to get into the will of Jesus. I want that food. Pray for that this week. Talk to some folks. For some of you, maybe going from good to great in your relationship with Jesus. Pray for that. What does it look like when our church, 600 plus people, are praying for more of Jesus? The testimonies that we have heard, duh, they're going to go beyond these walls. They're not going to just be on this platform. 
What if we were praying things like this? I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. I defer everything to him. It's his life I want, not my life. Or out of Colossians chapter 1, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope for glory. What happens when a prayer like more of Jesus is unleashed on this community? What happens in your life personally when you say, God, I'm deferring all of my stuff, all of it. I'm humbling myself, I'm taking a breath, and I'm saying, this is yours. I want more of it. Oh, I get excited. That's why I love this message. (laughs) It's more of Jesus. We're going to have the opportunity over this next week to finish up strong. And to finish up where ultimately it all comes back to in the first place. And that's a relationship with Jesus. That's deferring all of our life to him and submitting complete control and surrender to what he would have and will for us. Let's pray. Father God, what amazing things do you have in store for us? I pray that you would reveal those, but first, Father, I pray that we would just want to be more in touch, draw closer to who you are. Lord, I pray that whatever our plans are, that they would start with you. I admit, I confess that I don't always do it. But Father, take me out of the equation and make you the only equation. Move us to some amazing things, not because of anything we've done, but because of you. Lift this up in your dear son's name. Amen.